good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good, good. Hey, for those of you who are guests, my name is Brian, and I'm the teaching pastor here, and excited to share with you a little bit this morning as we wrap up our series called Spent in a sermon I'm entitling Give It All. I'll be in Luke chapter 21, Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, a really short story about another unnamed hero uh, in the Jesus story. But before we get to that, it's gift giving season, isn't it? Right? Have you got gifts to get still? How many of you, raise your hands, you still got to get gifts? Okay. All right. Awesome. Good, my people. All right. I'll see some of you at Walmart, like the night before Christmas, being like, there's nothing left, right? Those are my people. Okay. Uh, I've been getting some gifts of my birthday on Friday, so this is one of my gifts. Uh, so I got this. I feel like I should be chopping wood or um, pushing bounty. I feel like I should have a big, like, the quicker cleaner picker-upper or whatever that is. Um, so I'm looking like a lumberjack this morning. Uh, somebody decided they're going to do the 12 days of Christmas at our house. So we have no idea who's doing this. This is a really cool idea. Somebody's been dropping off the 12 days of Christmas. It's the third day of Christmas today. And they dropped every single morning. They've been dropping something off at our front porch. I've been like looking at the footprints, trying to figure out if it's a neighbor, if a car is pulling in, if it's one of you. And so uh, it's gift giving season. And, and I, I think it's an interesting time to give gifts and to receive gifts. How many of you are worried that your Amazon uh, delivery might not come on time? Anybody? Are you? So I, I heard the just funniest conversation the other day about gifts. It was this husband and this wife, this guy, this guy and this gal, and they're arguing about their Amazon account. And it went something like this. He just said, no, you can't look at our Amazon account. And she was like, well, why not? And he was like, well, your gifts are on there. And she's like, well, I need to get on our Amazon account and, or else I'm going to go get my own Amazon account. And I realized there's this whole Amazon conversation going. Do you realize this? So if you have Amazon accounts and you've ordered something and you have somebody sneaky in your life, who used to open presents back in the day, they're not opening presents anymore. They just are figuring out what your login is for Amazon and they're looking at your gifts. Here's what we've been thinking about. We've been thinking about gifts and giving and we've been camping around the idea that it is better to give than it is to receive. And today I want to reflect on a short story of a gift that I believe sums up all that we have been trying to teach throughout the series. Luke chapter one, verses one through four. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts into the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. These are the smallest of coins that were possible in that day, in that age. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, We want to have your heart. We want to be generous like you. 
We ask that you would teach us, you would shape us, that you would make us open to hearing your voice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I like gifts, but I also like food. Has that become clear? Okay. <laughs> and one of the reasons I love the next couple of weeks is we have lots of family get-togethers. My family, my wife's family all lives up in Church Hill, and they know how to get together, right? They get together, and they put together these huge, long tables, and they have a whole bunch of people over. I was talking to my mother-in-law just yesterday. I said, Mom, how many people are coming for Christmas Day meal? And she said, so far, we're over 40. We've got 40 people showing up to my mother-in-law's house. We've got people flying in from Spain. We've got somebody flying in from Beijing. We've got a whole bunch of people who just don't have family around, and we just invite them all, and we have them all over at the Kim house, and we set up as many tables as we need, and we get as many chairs as we need to borrow, and we set up a huge spread of turkey and ham and gravy, and it's like my love language, okay? <laughs> and we eat, and then we nap like champions, and, and then at the end of the night, after dessert, we play games, and we eat what? Leftovers. That's what we eat. And we eat leftovers for a couple days. And I'm just telling you, like my mom, my mother-in-law's, uh, her stuffing, it just gets better with age. It's like a fine wine, okay? So her stuffing is like good on Christmas Day, but it's even better the next day on a warm bun, okay? I love me some leftovers, How do you give? Do you give out of your leftovers? See, I think we often give from our leftovers. So here's, here's how, as I've been thinking about generosity in my own life, like I, I can't pick on you because uh, this has been a really convicting series for me. And, and Lori and I have had some really intense conversations about like, okay, what is God calling us to in terms of generosity? Um, but one of the conversations we've had is how do we give? And, and I think it's interesting to consider how we give and that the fact that we might give out of our leftovers. Because if you're like Lori and I, here's a lot of how we give. If I'm being really honest with you, this is just how we give. We get to the beginning of the month, right? And, and maybe you're paid monthly or, or by, you know, twice a month or, or maybe you're paid weekly. I don't know how you're paid, but you get that paycheck, right? And then you take that paycheck and you go, here are all my expenses, Right? And so you lay, here's my paycheck, here's all my expenses, and you sort of go down the line. You're like, okay, here's my heating expenses, and here's, here's for gas, and here's for uh, all the different, I gotta pay my mortgage or my rent. And so you just start tab tabulating, okay, what do I have in expenses? And then how does that match about everything that I have been given in the paycheck, right? And you just start tabulating that out and you figure out food and clothing and all this kind of stuff. And then you get to the end of the month and you think, what do I have left, right? 
Like if you've been in, in any sort of premarital counseling with me, one of the things that I talk about is you've got to have the conversation about where is your money going. If you get to the end of the month and you go, we don't know where it went, that is problematic, okay? But that's the reality of how many of us live, right? We just go, we don't know where it went. We knew we had this much, right? And then we had all these expenses and then we had some left over. And so whatever we had left over, that's what we felt like we could give toward, right? We could give with. And I think, I think honestly, that's how a lot of us think about our giving, I think we think if I take care of all my needs, if I take care of all the things that need to happen throughout the month or throughout the week, whatever I have left over, then I can give that to charity. I can give, I can give that to the church. I can, give, I can give that back to God. God doesn't want your leftovers. God doesn't want my leftovers. It's just, Really tough story about giving. First giving story in the Bible. There's this brother, and his name is Cain. And Cain comes, and he, he just brings some of his animals to the Lord, and he offers just sort of like a sacrifice. And, 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 and it's just like some of what he has, and God kind of looks down on that offering and he, he goes, this is a leftover offering. He doesn't, he doesn't smile down upon the offering. And then his brother Abel shows up and Abel comes with the first fruits of what he has been given. Like what is best that he has been given. What he has harvested that is first, he takes all of that, the excess, and he puts it before the Lord. He says, here, God, you don't get my leftovers. You get my first. You get my best. And God smiles down upon Abel's offering. And you know how this story goes, right? Cain gets so angry that his brother's offering is smiled upon by God that he eventually kills his own brother. See, this is deep within us. It's not just what we do. It's how we do what we do. God, God just doesn't want your money. He wants your hearts. That's what I want to convince you of this morning. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't want your treasure. He doesn't want your talent. He wants your heart. He wants all of it. And so God wants us to give even with the right intentions. And, and, and what we see in this story already is that there are two main characters in the story. One, there is these rich, wealthy people who show up and they're giving out of their what? Surplus. That's what the passage says. Surplus. Which is what? Sir leftovers. Right? They're just giving like everybody else is giving. So they show up and they say, here's my leftovers, here's my surplus, and I'm gonna give some of this. And they go away and they feel pretty good about themselves. But then this poor little widow comes by and gives two mites. And Jesus says, wait, pay attention, disciples. Pay attention to this moment. This is not a little moment. This is a big moment. See, all those rich people, they gave out of their leftover. They gave out of their surplus. I don't want your leftovers. I want 
I want your best. I want your all. And, and that's why true generosity, it requires more. It doesn't require just leftovers. It requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. So as I was preparing for this sermon, I thought, as I got to this part, how can I talk them out of following Jesus? <laughs> Some of you are like, is this reverse psychology? Or like, um, never heard that one in church before. Because um, I, I want to, li- you can feel this, the tension in the sermon already, I hope, right? Like, I'll make a few jokes every now and again just to get us through it, okay? But like, I'm going to lean on you a little bit today. True generosity, what we've been talking about, it, it requires sacrifice. It's, it's going to be hard. It's, it's going to hurt. It's going to require you to be really thoughtful and intentional. It's not, it's not going to happen on accident. See, it's so true that Jesus just freely says, come follow me, Right? But, but he also says other things to his disciples. He says this, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. When Jesus calls all of his disciples, I think in our minds, we have this fantasy like, oh, oh, you know, they're in their boat and they leave their nets and they get to follow Jesus and it's awesome, awesome, awesome. They get to see amazing things and it's so cool and they're parts of the Bible and it's just amazing. No, listen, these guys all got killed for their faith. Like, did you wake up worrying about that this morning? I didn't. Like, I'm sitting up here like, I, I'm like, I, I feel pretty good talking about Jesus. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody coming after me this morning, right? Like, I, I just feel really secure and safe talking about Jesus. This was not their reality. When Jesus said to them, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, it's because he knew that they were marching to the same cross that he was marching to. He knew that every single one of those disciples was going to die for their faith. They weren't going to live happy and clappy and wealthy. They wouldn't have they, they wouldn't have a place to sleep. Sometimes they wouldn't have a place to eat. Sometimes they didn't know what was coming next for them. That's what Jesus was calling his disciples to and his call hasn't changed. Sometimes I think that we we downgrade what Jesus call is to us. That we want to make it safe and secure and we want to be like, oh, you're a guest so we don't want to ask much of you. Listen, if you're a guest, that's so awesome. I, I, I want you to investigate Jesus. I believe he's after you, but I don't want to undersell what he's talking about. I don't. I don't want to give you something that's not the gospel. And I think in the United States in particular, we water this down all the time. Jesus gives you grace freely, but he wants everything. Make make no mistake. He doesn't want just 10% of your life. He doesn't just want 20% of your life. He wants 100% of your life, and that requires sacrifice. It's not cheap grace that Bob was talking about last week. 
It's costly grace that, you, that Bob was talking about last week. Bob was talking about how grace showed up into Zach's life, right? And that how gratitude naturally followed this grace. But I think we water down this idea of grace sometimes. We, we talk about it as cheap grace instead of costly grace. There was a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was born early 1900s. And he fought against the German, um, German Nazis and gave his life in 1945 as a martyr for the cause. He stood against that reign and he wrote this in his book, Cost of Discipleship. Costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field for the sake of it. A man will gladly go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy which the merchant will sell all his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ, for whose sake a man will pluck out an eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciples leave their nets and follow him. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man his only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin. And grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it cost God the life of his son. Ye were bought at a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our lives, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God, I want you to understand that God gives grace freely. But he expects you to give everything back to him and return it. And that's going to require sacrifice. This is what the widow teaches us. She gives everything out of her nothing. Did you get this? Like Jesus says, she has nothing and she gives everything. This is the one picture. Here's the picture, the first picture. There's rich people, right? And the rich people are giving something out of their everything, okay? Something out of their everything. The widow comes over and she gives everything out of her nothing. She gives everything everything out of her nothing and that is the gospel that is what Jesus is calling us to a life of sacrifice I mean can you imagine like I don't I can't imagine this honestly I cannot imagine being a widow in that day and in that age no protection no stability 
Nobody's gonna look out for me and, and I'm gonna give my last two cents as an offering? This takes radical trust, radical obedience, radical love, and radical gratitude. And ultimately, it takes sacrifice, the same kind of sacrifice that God gave for you in the price of his son upon the cross. She gives it all. She gives it all. And so I want to encourage you toward fourth step generosity, which is give it all. We are called to give our everything out of our nothing. We are called to give it all. Here's what we've been trying to teach throughout this series, a progression of generosity, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm aware that this one's going to be hard. I'm okay with that. Right, Like I'm trying to lovingly pastor you and give you a really good glimpse of all that God has and wants for you. Right, But we've been doing a progression because we know you're all in different places on your journey, right? And so uh, in the first week, we said we wanted you to give a little. And we looked at the picture of the little boy with his little teeny lunch that he gave to Jesus. And Jesus did a lot with it. And so the challenge for some of you in this series is to give a little. Maybe you're just taking your first initial steps with Jesus. We're so excited about that for you, right? We just baptized like 20 people in November and it was so awesome. And maybe you're just taking these initial steps with Jesus and you want to give just a little because Jesus can do a lot with a little. And then week two, we said we wanted you to give a little more, right? To give a little more. And we looked at good Sam, right? The good Samaritan, and how he found the man on the road and he invested in bringing him back to health and that cost him something. And it cost him not just a little, it cost him a little more. It took him time, it took him finances, right? He had to stop what he was doing in his schedule and he had to figure this out. And for some of you, that's where you're at. Like God is calling you to give a little more to take that next step in becoming more like him, that next step in becoming more and more generous that you would see the needs of those around you in your neighborhood, in your life, and you would meet those needs. And then third step generosity. Last week, we looked at Zach and we looked at how when grace came into Zach's life, Zacchaeus, little Zacchaeus's life, Right? that generosity and gratitude followed. That when grace walked into his home, right? When grace walked into his home, greed walked out the back door. And grace changed everything for him. And in that sermon, we wanted you to understand that God calls you to give a lot. He wants you to give 
a lot that Zacchaeus, he responds to the grace of God in an overwhelming way. He doesn't just give back in the way that the law says to give back. He gives above and beyond that. He says, I'm going to give a lot back because of all the gratitude in my heart. And today we land on the fourth step, give it all. See, it's it's really simple what we've been trying to teach you. Everything you have is a gift from God. The air that you're breathing right now is a gift from God. The gifts that you'll give and receive on Christmas, they're gifts from God. The home that you rent or, or that you own, it's a gift from God. The family that you have, it's a gift from God. The car that you drove here, the clothes that you wear, the seats that you're sitting in, like every single beat of your heart is a gift from God. God, you, you can't even manufacture the next heartbeat, can you? Right? Like it's, it's just a gift. And what we need you to understand, what God wants you to understand, is that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And that all of life is a gift. And because all of life is a gift, we can Give it all back. When we see it as a gift, we can say, all of my money, all of my time, all of my energy, it's not mine anyway. I think that's the hard part is that we're like, you remember uh, Little Nemo? (laughs) And there's these seagulls. Do you remember this? And they're like, mine, mine, mine. Do you remember this? Anybody? Like, and like something shows up on the rock and they're all like, oh, mine, mine. And then they see something else. Oh, that's mine. My, like, I think that's how we are, right? Like we have these greedy little mine hearts. And, and we talked about this first week. We live like this instead of like this. And, and we miss, the, miss out on the joy of living like this because we live like this. But if you understand that all of life is a gift and you, you just naturally are gonna live like, you're gonna live like this. This is the gospel. Why do you give it all? Because Jesus gave it all. This is the gospel. If you want to know what the gospel is all about, it's just this simple. Jesus gave himself and gave himself and gave himself. He gave up his heavenly stature to make himself humble and to take on human form. This is what we're celebrating next week. Can you even like fathom? I know we just talk about this every Christmas. Like, oh yeah, Jesus, like God became a baby. Like, really? Like, did you get that? How crazy that is? Like, if I'm God, I'm making different decisions. I'm gonna be honest with you, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna come to some poor people who like maybe can't take care of me every day and they're gonna lay me in a food trough? Like, that's how I'm rolling into this world? Like, how about a chariot? Let's go with that one, Heavenly Father, right? Like, I think we gloss over this. But Jesus comes in the form of a humble baby, dependent, just like us, 
needy, limited. It's unbelievable what God gave up. He gives and he gives. And then throughout his ministry, all he does is he gives. He just, he just gives to everyone who shows up to him. Somebody needs healing, he gives them healing. There, a whole bunch of people show up, they need some food, he gives them food, right? He goes to Zacchaeus' house and he says, he says, salvation has come to this house today. He gives salvation, he gives forgiveness, he gives everything that people need and then ultimately he gives himself on a cross for you, it's true. You're never more like God when you, than when you give. God is a good giver and you're never more like him than when you give. And I wanna give you a simple principle to help you continue to consider this. I'm gonna call it the treasure principle. The treasure principle. And it goes like this, where your treasure is, your heart is also. I'm stealing that from Jesus, okay? <laughs> Pretty good source. Uh, let, me, let me go and read it exactly how he says it, okay? According to the New Living Translation, which isn't probably exactly how I said it, but that's all right, okay. Matthew six twenty one. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. If you gave me your phone and I said, can you go to your, your schedule for me? And can I just look at, can I scroll? Can I do some scrolling on your schedule? Can I see what, what Google Calendar has in store for you this week? And I looked at that for a little bit, and then, and then, and then I said, hey, can I, can I have access to your, to your bank account records from this last month? And you were like, no, <laughs> which is wise. Um, but I got a chance to look at those, and, and I got to scroll through those, and and see what, what's going on in the bank account. And then, and then if I said, hey, what, are you, what else are you spending your, what else you're spending your time, your energy on? And you, you told me, oh, I do this, and this is a hobby of mine, and this is what, what I live for. Do you know what I could tell you? I could tell you where your heart is. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. See, see, you could say to me, no, 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 I treasure this. But if your bank account and your, your time and, and your schedule, it, it, none of it actually lined up with what you said was what you treasured, I would say, no, 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 you're a liar. Like, you treasure something differently. There's something else that your heart is set upon because what you treasure, that's where your heart is. What you treasure, that's where your heart is. And so I think part of this idea of the treasure principle is for us to take an inventory and just to say, honestly, what do I love? What do I worship? What do I cherish based upon what do I do, right? 
If you look at your own bank account and you look at your own time and you look at what you spend, right? And it's all in a certain area. That's what you love. And I think it'd be really good for you to say, what do I actually love? Is it Jesus or is it a bunch of other things? But I think there's also another side to this coin or bill, however you want to think about it. This treasure principle. I also think that your heart can be shaped by your habits. I think that your heart can be shaped by your habits. I had a really wise mentor who was a banker, a very uh, large scale bank. He was a vice president, mentored me for many years. And, and he said, yeah, that's the first teaching on this passage is always uh, wherever, like whatever you treasure, you know, we can figure out where your heart is. But he said, I've got an interesting vantage point on that, Brian. He said, I actually think your heart can be shaped by where you intentionally put your treasure, right? He said, he said, he said it this way. He said, you know, I, I didn't really care about a certain organization, but I decided I was going to start giving to it. And I started just giving a little, and, and then I started giving a little more, and and then I started giving a little more and, and, and I woke up one day and I realized I loved that organization because of what I had given. Like my, my heart had grown because I had put my treasure there. It wasn't like I loved it and so then I put my treasure there. It was I put my treasure there and my heart grew for that organization so much so that he ended up being on the board for that organization, a, a large, really uh, beneficial nonprofit organization here in the United States. And he ended up on the board of that organization. And he didn't even really like that organization when it all started, but it all started because he gave just a little and his heart was shaped by what he gave. He gave treasure and because he gave his treasure his heart was shaped toward it and so I just want to I just want to put it out there for us this morning what do you what do you treasure where is your heart at as you come into this Christmas season as you come to the end of 2019 the year of the Lord and you look into 2020 the year of the Lord what what will your heart beat for? What will you treasure? Will you give? Will you give it all? I'll take a moment for you to consider what your spent next step might be. I don't know what God has for you as you close out this year. I don't know or pretend to know what God has for you in 2020, but I know that he wants you to be more like him. And I know that he wants you to grow in your generosity and grow in grace and grow in gratitude. And so I'm gonna pray for us and I would just encourage you to to spend a little time considering all that you've learned in these past four weeks and what God is calling you to now. Jesus, thank you 
Thank you that you have given. That you are the good giver of all good gifts. Thank you that everything we have is a gift from you. And I pray, God, that you'd shape our hearts to be more like you. We admit, God, that we struggle with this. We admit that we have greedy little hearts. We admit that we think about ourselves more than we think about others, more than we think about you. But we want that to change. God, we want to hear the words fresh in our ears like you said to the disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. We want to be those who would sacrifice it all for the sake of your kingdom to come and your will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. So God, I pray that your spirit would speak to us in tangible ways about how you'd make us more generous, more like you. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears nor today, our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.